Access granted. Entering now. Welcome to the Lodge Trip Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Lodge Trip Show. I'm stoked to have a special guest on the show today, AJ Mintner, who is an American professional baseball pitcher for the Atlanta Braves of Major League Baseball. Mintner was drafted by the Braves in the second round of the 2015 MLB Draft. He made his MLB debut in 2017. Today we're going to go over his story, the come up, facing adversity throughout his journey, and what it took to overcome it and to make his debut in the big leagues. I want to give you all a warm welcome to AJ Mintner. Great to have you on the show, brother. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, kind of dive into it, kind of get to know you a little bit, and then for the people that don't know who you are, just kind of explain a little bit about yourself and kind of like your career and where you started and kind of where you led to where you're at now. Yeah, for sure. Um, grew up in Tyler, Texas, born and raised. Um, went to a small private school right here in Tyler and went on to got a scholarship to play baseball at Texas A&M. That was 13, 14, 15. I'm getting, I'm getting old thinking about it now, but <laughs> I got drafted my junior year in 15 by the Atlanta Braves and worked my way up through the organization and debuted in 2017 in August and then yeah 2018 had a really good year and then this past season I struggled a little bit I was up and down but still fortunate to get to be living a you know childhood dream it's always a dream to play in the major league so um, definitely a dream come true no that's cool man I I, uh, I remember I was like looking at um, some of our mutual friends and I, uh, I was like, huh, this guy, this guy looks like he's a hunter. Like, I was like, look at yeah. his profile. I was like, this is pretty cool. I mean, that's one thing, uh, um, I, <laughs> small world, my buddy, Brandon, who's, uh, one of the top ranked bass anglers in, in the world. He, uh, yeah. him and I grew up together in Idaho and, uh, he gets his, uh, bass boat wrapped in Tyler. Oh, really? Yeah. By Tyler wraps or whatever. It's like literally he goes there every single time when he's going through to, uh, go back you know, cause he fishes most of all of his, uh, like most of the tournaments are either in Alabama or Florida yeah. or, you know, Tennessee, you know, those places, Louisiana. So he always goes through there and I was like, huh, that's kind of, it's kind of a small world. I was like, I didn't know, I didn't know you were right in Tyler. That's where you live at right now. Yep. That's where I, I come and spend the off season. My family's from here. So there's really nothing oh, cool. dragging me away to move away from Tyler. Yeah. No, uh, you do. I'm assuming that's you do any like fishing too on top of the hunting, or you just do more hunting. Yeah, mainly. So with baseball players, we're fortunate enough. You know, our off season is right in the middle of hunting season, so we gotta get best of both best of both worlds. So I'll try and get as much hunting in as I can during the off season, and then like during spring training when we go down to Florida in February and March, I'll really just start fishing then because it kind of kills time go out there with your buddies oh yeah find, and plus bass fishing down in florida you can't be oh yeah it, i know so. oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah i remember um when i went from uh, eastern washington university and i went down to go bass fish for florida state in tallahassee um after i mean i would out of all places florida is probably one of the best best just because i mean 
you know, when, especially during the spawn season, I mean, they're spawning yeah. like in January, February. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. But uh, I remember like my record on uh, Lake Jackson, which used to be one of the number one trophy lakes in Florida, but now it's now Rodman Reservoir. Um, but the only reason why Lake Jackson and Tallahassee what, like dropped off the list is because it dried up. So it ended up yeah. drying up and like all, all those big fish died and the whole, uh, most of all the fish died. And then they ended up planting them back. Luckily for Florida strain, they just bounced right back. So they, they dumped all these fish in there, restocked it. And these fish got big within a year. This is like a year bounce back. And I fished it probably about almost a year after it filled back up. I caught, uh, over 40 pounds for five fish within like within an hour. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With like a four, with like a fourteen pounder anchor on top of it, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I enjoy going down to Florida. We just moved. We were in Orlando for the past, I don't know, way before my time. The Braves have been in spring training in Orlando, but now we recently moved to Northport, so it's going to be right there on Venice Beach. And from what I hear, they got some good fishing down there, so I'm excited. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. That, and that's one thing that with, uh, you know, why we, why we started Enduro Sport and, and what we're trying to accomplish with the, you know, supplement company is really to build a brand. But, you know, I, most guys have asked me because I have a lot of Major League Baseball friends and um, there's something weird. It's kind of interesting, man. I, I uh, you know, I had a podcast with uh, Ryan Carpenter uh, previously and he's been a really good friend of me. And uh, he, uh, I was telling him like, it's just, it's just interesting, dude. It's like, I've never been a huge baseball guy. You know, I'll be honest uh -huh. with you. Like I, like back then, but it was like, I, you know, it's one sport that, you know, I wish I would have probably played just because it was like, you know, I, I was just intrigued by it a little bit, but I just mm -hmm. kind of was still in the outdoors and was doing everything in other sports. And, um, and then when I became like best friends with like Davis, that's where it kind of was like, you know, learning through his life and understanding everything that he's been through. And then, you know, seeing how hard the sport really is and, and like how tough and challenging it is and the volatility of the roller coaster. It was just like, wow. Like, I'm like, it gives you some, some respect for it, dude. Like lots of respect. Cause I'm like, if I can learn through this guy's life and I'm like, what is like, you know, you look at other sports and, you know, I still have respect for other sports, but I mean, it kind of, it almost kind of relates it to, you know, I see why a lot of them do the outdoors though too. Cause I mean, outdoors is still, it's not an easy thing to get into if you're doing it, like if you're hunting, Hunting's not, you know, they don't call it killing for a reason. I mean, it's just hunting because you're right. out there and it's not like you're guaranteed for nothing, but it's just, it's like, you know, a lot of things relate back into all of it. So the one reason why, like I connected a lot with the baseball guys is just because a lot of them like to do outdoors. Yeah, for sure. You know? I mean, definitely. Just, with, no, yeah. With baseball, I mean, it's a, it is a game of failure. I mean, look at, um, you know, your hall of fame, baseball hitters who are hitting 300 batting average. So if you put them out of context, I mean, that means they're getting on base three out of 10 times. You, you would think that's not very good, but in baseball, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's great. Yeah. And that just kind of gives you an example of baseball. It's just, it's definitely, it definitely is a roller coaster. And, and with hunting, it kind of gives me a, you know, it's a, it's definitely a grind. It's a six month grind season and you just come, you give it all you got. And then when you come home, it's time to relax and it gives me time to get out in the outdoors and just really, um, just kind of get back to myself and gives me time to think and reflect on the season and just get me ready for next year. Yeah, no, that's, uh, it's, 
meditation, man. It's a meditation. <laughs> uh, do you, uh, you do a lot, a lot more bow hunting, I'm assuming? So I grew you, up deer hunting my whole life. Um, yeah. Started hunting in Louisiana a lot with me and my dad. He's the one that got me into hunting. And I'm just always rifle hunting. I would love to get into bow hunting. I heard it's addicting. Um, oh, it is. Once you start, yeah, once you start, I heard you can't stop. It's definitely a lot more challenging and rewarding at the same time. So I, I need to I need to buy me a bow and get into it. But I've always just rifle hunted. And once I got to college down at Texas A&M, I really got a lot of my buddies were big duck hunters. So that's how I got into duck hunting. And um, it's it's two different types of hunting. Deer, uh, duck hunting is more, it's, it's just the camaraderie, um, being out there with your buddies, being out there in a hole, and just spending time with your buddies. A lot more laid back. Um, but both are definitely... I love it. It's an addiction. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, I, I tried to tell uh, um, a couple of guys that haven't really did a whole lot of bow hunting before. And, you know, that's all we, you know, that's all I pretty much grew up on was mostly all outdoor uh, sports. And um, one being hunting is like, you know, if I'm not fishing, I'm hunting. And Idaho, I didn't really get much into the waterfowl hunting. I did, you know, a little bit, but not as, as much as I did for big game. And I got my yeah. first, uh, got my first bull when I was, uh, 13 years old in Hell's Canyon, Idaho. Um, and then, um, uh, shot my first archery bull about two years ago, um, about at eight yards during a wow. rut, during the rut season. <laughs> huh. Yeah. And I tell you what, it, you're gonna, that, 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 I will live with you forever, brother. I'm telling you that, like you, you have a bull sure. running at you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's an adrenaline rush. I'm sure. Oh, and that's the part where they say, like, once you go that route, uh, it's hard to ever go back to a rifle. And that's the only reason. I mean, I also like rifle. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, whatever season it is, is, you know, whatever yeah. it permits. But really, it's it's uh, it's just a challenge. I mean, I, I know that, you know, you get into hunting, you talk about hunting and some, you know, this might get a little political at some points. I mean, I knew that with, uh, you know, our supplement company of like, hey, you know, I still want to yeah. be able to get back to that, you know, the passion, you know, and those things is where it's like, I don't really, you know, yeah, you could tiptoe around and, 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 you know, not support it because, you know, it gets political on a worldly standpoint and there might be only 12 million people in the country that, that hunt, which only accounts for maybe, you know, scratching, like maybe scra like scraping about 4% of the whole entire population in the U S. So that's a very small group, obviously. But the thing is, is that, you know, bow hunting, is so much more challenging and it almost looks like it's not just a given to where people I feel like that don't, that don't know anything about hunting could probably at least relate a little bit more to that than it would be rifle. So it's just, but at the same time, when you bow hunt, it's just like, you know, it's challenging, you know, it's even more rewarding when, when you get some, because it's like, and you get such a huge experience out of it because it's like, we don't have, you know, tree stands and, you know, on the West coast, just because it's like, it's all spot and stock. Right. I mean, that's a lot of the times, mm -hmm. like all my friends in Alabama, uh, <clears throat> I see them all in, in tree stands all the time, which I don't mind tree stands. It just, sometimes it's like watching paint dry for me to where I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm like, yeah. I'm sitting here for this long. I'm like, I want to like actually like get hiking and, and, you know, glassing off spot and scopes and my binos and, you know, to get moving. And so it's just a different type of hunting, but it's just, uh, it's just cool, man. It's a cool, cool passion. And. Um, I always like to take people with me and I'm sure you take a lot of the 
baseball guys with you too. Some of you probably your teammates or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, being that I get, I guess you get to play with, you know, people from all over the country and then outside the U S as well. And it's, it's, it's awesome to hear, you know, different, uh, experiences with people hunting, you know, whether it's waterfowl or big game or deer hunting, but everyone kind of comes from their own, um, you know, section of the country. And it's, it's, it's a, it's here cool to hear cool, uh, different stories. Um, especially, you know, guys, like you said, out on the West coast where it is, you know, spot in stock and you're, you're hiking miles of the day where I'm used to in Texas, you know, literally just sitting in a, in a blind all day. Yeah, and so uh, you're just it's a different different types of hunting. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's a uh, that's one thing that's it's just cool. I mean, I I always I, I tell uh, some guys, uh, um, Riley Wade. I I met a couple times here and became friends with him, and he he's in Texas. You you know who Riley is? Yeah, we work out together. Yeah. Just got put on the 40, man, a couple of days ago. So that's a super man. exciting time for him. Yeah. No, he's, he's doing, he's killing it for himself. I'm proud of him. I, I told him, I'm like, yeah. Riley, I'm about to, I'm about to get a group of all of us. And I'm, and now I'm going to, I'm going to try to rope you into it as we're, we're all, we're going to schedule a, a hunt for uh, next year, do an elk hunt on the West Coast here. So uh, you guys are on your off season. So I'm holding you guys yeah. to it now. So. It's going to be a, a experience of a lifetime doing it. And Riley's like, you just count me in, man, because I'll do it whenever. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. love to come and just be a part of it and watch. And I'll, I'll get kicked out of that more than anything. Yeah. No, it's just it's just cool, man. I mean, especially on the, the bass fishing side, um, you know, I, I wanted to be able to get back to, you know, the out, like be able to get back to the outdoor industries and, and also the athletic communities just because it's you know with the main goal and mission and you know i kind of like explain a little bit of kind of what we're trying to do but um for enduro sport it was just being able to bridge the gap between you know both the communities the outdoor communities and athletic communities because nobody nobody's really trying to do that as a brand really i mean it's just as like okay you're giving back to the hunting community or you're giving back to you know the you know this community but it's just like why are we only giving back to one community when you know, I, I started realizing, I'm like, okay, I made quite a few friends in the NFL. You know, even the NFL is a little different. You know, some guys like outdoors, some guys are a little bit more on the, you know, different materialistic things that they don't, you know, it doesn't mean anything. But, you know, you get different sports like NHL, you know, you get a lot of guys that are outdoors guys. And I'm like, okay, why can't, why can't I be able to take these guys like you or Riley or, you know, Ryan Carpenter or so forth, and, you know, names go on, but. It's just like, why can't I take these guys and be able to introduce them to some of the top, you know, hunting athletes that you probably know who they are if I set them. So it's like, or the, the top bass fishermen, you know, that are out there that are on, you know, on the pro level and to be able to put everybody together as into one to be able to catch experiences from each other. I mean, that's the coolest thing with, you know, building the brand in the community. And that's one thing that I want to provide, you know, and that's, that's the, cause I feel like there's so much, you know, there's kind of like a, a wall divide with everything to where you just, you don't feel like people are really coming together. And I feel like with creating a company and a brand to be able to, to bring those together, is probably the coolest thing you can do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely a unique standpoint of, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. And it's definitely you athletes, I guess, just in general, we're so used to being in the outdoors. So I guess we can relate 
But I mean, I'm assuming you're not just talking about just hunting being out the door. You're talking about just being outdoors in general, as far as yeah, I'm sure camping and hiking or whatever it may be. And um, well, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's sure. the thing. Yeah, it even just kind of like I mean, with bass fishing, saltwater fishing, uh, not just hunting, but like I mean, you're you're talking like you know, obviously there's certain things in base uh, baseball guys' contracts you can't do. Obviously, I know that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, you know, that's like me talking to, to Ike, he kind of broke it down with like the things like you couldn't ski, you couldn't go do certain things. I mean, that's, that's totally like, that's totally fine. So, I mean, there's things that where, you know, you can still introduce them like the, the whole bass fishing route, man. If I, if I put you on the boat with some of these guys that are, you know, the top ranked anglers in the world, uh, you would get a total kick out of it. But the thing is, it's like, you know, these, these guys, I mean, they'll, they'll take out lots of athletes. I mean, I did a lot of, uh, charity events for, uh, I did uh, a few for, uh, my, uh, Michael Ruse foundation. And he, uh, he always brought a lot of the Seahawks players and I'm friends with a couple of Seahawks guys. And, um, you know, just taking those guys out fishing, dude. I mean, it was just like, they, it just changed their whole entire world around. I mean, and the thing is, is that when you can do that, it just, it lives with you forever. And it's fulfillment for me, man. If I can be able to, you know, you know, do it might like be able to provide that experience to somebody that never experienced it and, yep. you know, be able to have a brand to be able to provide that to you to where it's not just me. It's also other guys that are even, you know, even more crafted than, than I am. That's what, that's, that's where the fulfillment comes, comes into it. Cause I think more athletes need to be, you know, if you introduced it more to guys, I mean, think about it. I mean, it would change their whole entire world and you know what it's done for you, you know, just imagine yeah. what it could do for others. No, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I think part of being an athlete, we're so just so competitive. And I guess we take that, especially for me and, you know, in hunting season, um, I'm just extreme competitor. So it takes a lot of, a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of patience, um, a lot of failure. And yeah. I think it just, it, re- it relates so well to athletes just being part of, you know, being in the outdoors because it is, it is humbling and rewarding at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of, uh, switching gears a little bit to you. Um, so I know that the whole baseball route is never the easiest route. And I know you people, you know, guys go through ups and downs. Uh, what kind of met, like, do you have, what kind of resources or mentors, uh, that have you had around you, um, that kind of helped you kind of go along the way to, to kind of, you know, I know everybody has like their support base and who are those key people yeah. in your life that kind of help you be able to get to the next level? Yeah. Um, obviously my dad was, he was there since the beginning. He, you know, he worked 12 hour jobs a day and he was always introduced me to baseball. Um, growing up, it was, we were always traveling, always playing select ball, always traveling across the country. We got a, a small RV that we would, that we would take and stay right there in the parking lot of the baseball fields, wherever we would be at. Um, looking back at it, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be here without him. And then going into my high school career, I had a pitching license from a former major league pitcher. His name was Travis Chick. And I got a couple pitching lessons from him, and I really enjoyed it. I just relate to him really well. Well, long story short, he ended up being – my junior year in high school, he got the pitching coach job at, on my baseball team. Mm-hmm. And he he was done playing Major League Baseball. He was retired. He came back to, to Tyler. 
were both from, and he was getting his degree in, um, in finance. At the same time, he was coaching our high school baseball team. So he coached us uh, my junior and senior year. We ended up winning state championship both years. And whenever, you know, I went on to play college baseball at A&M, he got uh, the pitching coach job at us, uh, Tyler Junior College here in Tyler, mm. while he was still getting his degree. And then we always kept in contact. He would be the first person um, I would call after, you know, every time I pitched, we talk about it. He would always watch. And he would just be that, that guy for me that I can always ask questions and he would always be there for me. And then whenever I got drafted in 2015, he graduated with a finance degree and started working for uh, Merrill Lynch. And I ended up signing with them as my personal uh, financial um, guide and so we've been in business since then. And now he's working for Athlete Wealth Management. Uh, they're based out of uh, Scottsdale. Um, oh. And I've been with them ever since. So it's kind of a, a whole circle. We just started with baseball. And he's still that baseball mentor to me. He, uh, wow. Whenever I pitch in the big leagues, he's he's always watching. And we're always critiquing my um, different mechanics or whatever it may be. But it's it's a pretty cool relationship. Yeah, no, I, that's kind of that's pretty cool. Scottsdale, Arizona, it's where I'm at right now. So we're in the same spot. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I mean it definitely it, it helps by having like your support base around you. I mean, I I know that anybody at any sport or profession that reaches a high level needs, you know, they 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 have some you know core people around them, and it, it's uh it's cool to see that your dad really uh you know was there for you and you know, help, helped you and mentored you. And, you know, you know, obviously there's, there's always sacrifices when you need like when you're getting your kid involved and, and you're raising them and getting them involved with like their sport and being able to support. I mean, that's cool, man. I mean, it's, that's a huge yeah. factor to everything. Um, yeah. Fortunate enough to have a, have a dad to be able to do that for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, explain kind of like your experience too. Cause I mean, I know that like, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty cool feeling when you can be able to be, you know, drafted and, and everything else and to go into, you know, the big leagues. I mean, how did that feeling, how was that? Like, you know, kind of, kind of run through that a little bit for me. Yeah. So I've, I've dealt with um, a lot of injuries along my way. Whenever I was at A&M my freshman year, um, I was dealing with a lot of numbness and tingling in my hand. And looking back at it, I, I, I guess I've always dealt with it. So I just became used to it and I thought it was normal. And once I finally got to A&M, I told a trainer about it. And sure enough, went and saw a doctor in uh, Dallas and they diagnosed me with thoracic outlet syndrome. That basically just means the, the blood flow, the blood supply in my arm would get cut off in my shoulder. And therefore, just like if I had to explain it, it would just be like your arm falling asleep whenever you lay on it. So I was dealing with that when I was pitching. And so uh, that requires surgery to get it fixed. And what they do is they take that top rib out of your, it's up by a collar, your collarbone. You have little ribs that go all the way up and I get that top rib taken out. And once I got that surgery done, um, I was a different pitcher. It really helped me moving forward, going to my sophomore year, I had a really good year. 
And then my junior year, my freshman and sophomore year, I was a relief pitcher. And then going to my junior year, I really want to become a start pitcher to help, you know, with my draft stock and just getting drafted and just showing my, you know, my durability. And then I worked real hard in the off season, end up getting the Friday night uh, starting job for A&M and four starts in my elbow blew out. And my junior year, that's a really important year, I guess, for uh, college players because that's, you know, your draft year. That's the first year you can get drafted. <clears throat> and so I was just, I was devastated. Ended up having to get Tommy John surgery, which is the reconstruction of your UCL and your elbow. And it that's, that's a long process, that recovery. It's a 12 to 14 month recovery process. And I was just devastated because I thought, you know, I ruined um, my chances of getting drafted. Um, sure enough, the Braves met with different teams, but the Braves, um, I guess they showed the most interest in me, and they end up drafting me um, last pick in the second round, the 75th pick um, in 2015. And it was just a, a moment I'll always remember. Um, it's something, you, you know, you work for your whole entire life, and for it to finally happen. You know, being that young, whenever you get drafted, oh, you thought you thought you made it. You, I've done it. I'm, I'm a big leaguer, and that's the that is the last thing from it. It's just the beginning. After that, um, you know, people think, oh, once you get drafted, it's not like the NFL where people go straight to the league. With baseball, you know, you have to you have to start at the very bottom again, um, going to the minor leagues and working your, your way up all throughout the levels. I mean. People always say there's single A, double A, triple A, but really there's five different levels. There's rookie ball league, there's short season, and there's low A, there's high A, there's double A, then triple A, then the big leagues. So it's definitely a long process, and you're playing at the worst conditions possible. You know, you're you're taking ten hour bus rides, you're playing every single day, you're playing at fields that are sometimes worse than you know high school fields. Oh. And it's just it's it's a grind, and it, it you know the old thing is uh, for baseball players if you don't like it play better, and if you play better that means you get to move up a level. So with a little bit nicer food, um, nicer locker rooms, ballparks, bigger crowds, and that's just a, a mindset you have to have in baseball. Oh yeah, I mean that dude that's. That right there is where you have you like you you kind of have like even if somebody doesn't know and that's listening that's even uh, that doesn't know a whole lot about baseball doesn't watch baseball uh, that's where you can have a little, you can have a little bit of respect I mean like a lot more respect and and where that's that's the part where if you look at like the NFL NBA you know other organizations if you know you're you're like if they had to go and and face the same things as what baseball guys had to face. It makes you – it almost – like, I know that a lot of guys that are in those those other sports, I mean, they appreciate it when they get there, but you almost appreciate it even more when when you know that, yeah, you're going to get – you get drafted, but, yeah, you know you're going to have to work for it maybe for – it could take you seven, eight years to make it right. to the big leagues. That's right. Yep. You know, so that's part where I'm like, you know, you like having a, you know, podcast with Ryan uh, he and, and talking to him about everything, I'm just like – you know, it gave me chills, man. I just was like, you know, you working him working his way all the way to, you know, getting cut 
by the Rays. And then next thing you know, he had to work his way from the bottom all the way back up. And then he's now playing against the Rays by waiting with the Tigers. And, you know, he beats them while he's the, you know, the, the starting pitcher. I mean, that, that stuff is coming all back around nine years down the road. I mean, and how much he had to fight for it. I mean, that's the part where he, like, it's just something where it's like, dang, I mean, he, like the respect is, is, is earned right there. I mean, I just like, it's just crazy when you look at the difference between baseball and, and it, baseball is much different than most other sports, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. No, so, yeah, for sure. It's, um, it is, it is different. Um, it just, you see so many different people that, you know, have the talent um, to be a big leaguer, but they just can't handle, you know, handle the middle side of it, just going to the minor leagues and the grind and, um, it definitely tests you at some times. And, um, you know, for me, I, I dealt with failure really for the first time this past season and this 2019 season, um, going to the year, um, going to spring training, I got in a car accident, unfortunately yeah. of all things. And I hurt my shoulder cause the seatbelt, I'm a left-handed pitcher. So my seatbelt runs across my left shoulder. Yeah. And, uh, luckily, it wasn't a serious accident, and but I, I end up um, having to get a cortisone shot in my AC joint in my left shoulder, so that put me out of spring training, and I'll probably, you know, me just probably rushing back, trying to get back on the team, and not want, want to miss time, um, just came back probably a little bit too early. I just, my velocity was down, and I struggled, and that was uh, what I, I, I guess, for me, for the first time, I, I didn't know how to deal with failure. And that went on for a month or two, and they ended up sending me down to AAA, you know, to work on things, to get me back to normal, and did really well in AAA, and I felt comfortable, and I got back to the big leagues, and um, I don't know what it was, but I just, again, I, I, I struggled again, and I just wasn't myself. And looking back at it, um, I think it, obviously you have to have the mindset. It's just going to make you better and you have to learn from your mistakes. Um, but so hopefully I'm just anxious to get back this year and, uh, I guess prove everyone, you know, I am that pitcher that I used to be and get back to my old self. So it's definitely an yeah. important year coming for me. Oh yeah. No, and that's a, you're, you're a, you're a lefty too, aren't you? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a left-handed. Yeah, I, I'm wondering like why 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 it always happens where every 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 most of the guys that I know are like they're all lefties. Like I'm like I'm like yeah. so the left the, left, the lefties are just it seems like I always end up finding the lefty guys all around me. It's like <laughs> you're not that lefty we're, myself, we're, but yeah, we're a different breed. Some of us are a little weird sometimes, but um, <laughs> there's a, definitely a high demand for lefties in baseball. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's cool, man. I mean, that's, I mean, talking about your failures and, and injuries, I mean, that's a common thing within the sport. I mean, that's like, yeah. it seems like every time, you know, you end up, yeah, most guys will face it. And if you, they don't, I mean, that they're lucky, but it seems like a lot of them all end up, you know, facing something, especially when you're, uh, you're a pitcher too. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing where it's like, that's just kind of inevitable. I mean, it's kind of like oh, at some point something's going to happen. Yeah. So, sure. yeah, that's, that's, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, that's getting your mindset right, though. I mean, what do you do for like preparation regime and like, things that like when you hit those failures, do you do, like, yeah, I know you hunt and do outdoor stuff, like when, you know, you have the time to out, like, at, like in between seasons and stuff. But what do you do for like your, your regime or your form of meditation to kind of get your mind right when you're facing those times? Yeah, um, I guess during season, um, you know, I met with some psych- psychiatrists and of all things, <clears throat> believe it or not, this off season, um, I, <laughs> guilty enough, I, I love, you know, I love the game of blackjack. So I love being in a casino <laughs> and I was sitting at the blackjack table one night and I was sitting down talking to this, this, this older man. And sure enough, we talked for, you know, five hours that night. And he's a successful business owner. Uh, his name is Bill Rowan. And um, he's wanting to get into being a performance uh, mental coach for athletes. And mm. what he does, he, he goes around and speaks at, you know, different seminars for businesses and kind of a, a business mental coach. So now he's wanting to get in the side of for athletes. And so we've been talking a lot this, this off season and, you know, just for him talking to me, the first thing that we got into was writing out my goals, you know, whether that's baseball goals, personal goals, uh, family goals, financial goals, or a spiritual goal. And what I have to do is I have to recite these goals three times a day out loud to myself. And that just kind of puts you in a, uh, you know, a mind point of, you know, getting yourself used to telling yourself that I, and he puts, makes me put these uh, goals in present tense. So let's say, you know, I am a big leader. Um, I am a sub three ERA pitcher. So it makes me teach myself to believe in myself and, you know, follow through, you know, reaching these goals. You know, these don't, these goals, you know, have to be realistic, you know, be able to maintain and reach them. But I'm just enjoying talking to him a lot. And I'm just anxious to, you know, use what he's teaching me into next year. But, I mean, this year when I was failing, I was a guy that was, of course, you know, I want to have everyone like me and everyone, you know, cheer for me. But there's times this year where um, I dealt I dealt with a lot of criticism and that was, you know, the first time I ever had to deal with that and I didn't know how to handle it. And, you know, always, you know, you always see uh, blogs or whatever articles online and always, I always read them. And that's one thing that I probably, you don't yeah. need to do. You don't need to look online at the articles and see the criticism and that's just going to make things worse. And it's just going to compound on top of each other. And so talking to, to Bill, um, you know, I'm just so thankful. That's weird how I met him of all places. <laughs> you know, I'm just excited to keep working with him. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you always, you always cross paths with the right people, brother. I mean, that's like, there's always a reason for everything. And, uh, you know, right when you, right when you need something, you always end up finding it uh, at unexpected places and it could be at the blackjack table. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh you talk about like the, um, like the stuff that you see like in the media. Um, that was a, that was, that was a big thing that I, I see as a, a thing in the mainstream, mainstream world of where, you know, some guys that are kind of going like people that have the most potential and the most talent 
um, mm-hmm. they, they end up, they, the, the whole sport gets to their head of where it's like, okay, they might get to their head. And I think they're a big leaguer. They're like, oh, they're going to be able to you know be this guy. And then next thing you know, they might have that, that bad stretch or they might have an injury or something ends up happening. And then they end up reading that stuff to where it gets in their head every time to where it just like starts messing around with them to where I'm like, you know, it's just like, I always like wonder like, you know, what do you guys do to, you know, do you guys read that stuff or do you not? I mean, obviously you said you're trying to like not read it anymore to where you're just kind of like, yeah. you know, get away from it. Right. No, for sure. I mean, it could be, it can go hand in hand the other way. Let's say, you know, you're having a really great year and you're killing it and you're the superstar. Well, if you read into it too much, you know, it could be also a negative effect as well. So for us, especially nowadays, everything's, you know, online, everything's out there. Um, For us, it's just being in the present and not worrying about what other people think. Because people are, I mean, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm I'm always, you know, screaming at the TV, at football players. You know, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? And so I'm guilty of doing the same thing. And you have to put in the context that, you know, these, these athletes are you're just regular people and, you know, they, they fail sometimes and um, just finding people that a good support system, like you said, and just, you play for the people that believe in you. You don't play for anything else. Yeah. No, that's, that's the truth, man. Just putting your head down and doing your thing. And the one thing I always like, I, I say to guys that are really good friends of mine, that are playing, I was just like, Hey, here's the thing. It's like, they're not out there doing it themselves. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's another thing until it's like, it's easy to sit behind closed doors and, you know, type your articles and type all the stuff that you're saying. But another thing of where like, you're, let's see if you can do it yourself. Let's see if you can go through what they go through. So that's the part where it's like, if they, if they ain't you, then they shouldn't like, they, there's no reason for somebody that's actually playing to even take a criticism from the outside because they're not doing it themselves. Right. They're not going through it themselves. So and that's just what it is. <laughs> so <laughs> we had a we had a theme or a quote that we would always go back to this year with the baseball team. That was by um, Theodore Roosevelt. I don't know if you ever heard it. It's the man in the arena. Yeah. Um, basically, that quote just says, you know, you can't. No normal per- person can say what they want to say when they're not actually out there putting in the work. Um, you know, going through failure. And it's just, it relates so much to, um, for athletes in general. Yeah. It's a good thing to go look at. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's a really good, I actually, uh, I, I've been wanting to get that same quote as a blow up right on my wall. So I get to look at it every time I leave, I leave outside my, my place. So I get to look at that thing. Cause I mean, that's, that's like his, like Theodore Roosevelt's quotes are just amazing, man. I mean, I just, I'm a big yeah. advocate of Theodore Roosevelt, but it's also because he was like the, the, the outdoors man and the, the icon for the outdoors. So, I mean, it's kind of, kind of hard not to like the guy. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, uh, another thing too, uh, what's your, your training regime kind of look like when you're like, so like training of like workout, you know, work like nutrition, dieting, you know, so forth of like kind of what does it look like while you're on the season and, and for off season? Yeah, um, I guess for the off season, as soon as baseball season ends, which it depends, you know, how far you make in the playoffs or whatever, but usually it ends, you know, October 1st. And so I'll just, you know, take off that whole few weeks or a month and go to, you know, just get away from baseball, just getting relaxing, 
go to football games. I love going down to Texas A&M and spending time there. So I'll just relax for a few weeks and then start training again in November. And I've been fortunate enough. I've been working out at the same place here in Tyler for since I was 12 years old. And that's where <laughs> me and Riley work out together. Riley, actually, he drives an hour and a half every day, five days a week to come up here and work out. And that's just, wow. I couldn't imagine doing that. I'm, I'm fortunate enough. I just drive 10 minutes down the road, <laughs> but that just speaks volumes of this place that will work out. It's called APEC and they have a facility in Tyler and then they opened up uh, one in Fort Worth, but it's, it's taken off with, you know, athletes in general, especially baseball players. And I've been working out, like I said, for since I was 12 years old. And um, it's just, um, we, we, I guess it's a, uh, we focus on a lot of baseball movements. Um, you know, baseball workouts going to be different than a football workout. Pitchers, especially, you know, you don't really need to work out your upper body too much. Um, there's a lot of back muscles, a lot of pulling, not so much pulling. You don't want to build a big chest, but all your core comes from your lower body, especially as a pitcher. So um, we'll do that five days a week. And then on the weekends, um, get you know, enjoy myself. That's when I, you know, go hunting. And um, during the season, we're same thing. As a relief pitcher, it's a little bit different. Um, usually as a relief pitcher, you have to be ready to pitch every single night. So let's say I, I pitch um, Monday, Monday night. I'm usually going to try and get a workout in right after I pitch that night. So that way I can have the whole night and whole rest of, that next morning for recovery because I'll, I might have to pitch again that next day, that next Tuesday. So, but as a starting pitcher, you're on a five day rotation. So when pitchers, starting pitchers throw, they'll throw that day and then they'll get a workout in or a um, recovery day that next day. And then they'll go throughout their process of long toss and, and jogging and, but as a relief pitcher, it, you, it's a, it's a definitely a grind on the body. You have to be ready to go every single day. So I'll try to get two or three work, two, two or three lifts in each week. But that's trying to maintain that throughout the year. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. So you get a workout in right, right after you, that that night, and then so you take off the day like after you pitch. That's kind of how it works. Yes, I I found that's the best way for relievers. Um, just because you do have a whole 24 hours of recovery before, you know, you pitch the next day. Yeah. There's days you where I could pitch three days in a row or there could be a whole week where, you know, I pitch one time. It just depends on the situation. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, – so you – yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of interesting. Of like kind of just like you probably have to keep your you, – you, like – you probably look around you and where guys that slack or guys that don't, don't actually, you know, put time forth of like keeping their bodies healthy, um, you know, even with nutrition, but um, with the just exercising, I mean, I know everything's so much different. That's one thing is I, you know, I, I, I've, I know trainers in different worlds and everything else. And it's just, as like, it's never the same for different types of sports and, you know, what, and if you're in a certain position or whatever, everything changes. So, it's uh, it's yeah. kind of crazy of like all like the, the when the science comes into it to where it's like you know this is what you have to do and um, you know it's just as like I'm sure there's people that don't take it as seriously or don't take care of their body and then you then obviously it's just 
over time they end up, you know, getting cut or yep. something ends up happening to where they end up having some bad surgery that, that they didn't take care of. And you hear that a lot, but even within the baseball world where like guys will just have unfortunate events to where they'll just get hurt mm-hmm. nonstop. But it's also probably because, I mean, you could probably, you probably know better than I do. Um, it's probably also that, you know, whether it's just gene- like a genetic thing or they're just not taking care of their body. Yeah. I mean, to be a successful baseball player who can, the goal, you know, is to play, you know, 10 plus years in the league. And yeah, it takes skill to do that. But at the same time, if you can't stay healthy and you can't be dependable because we play 162 games a year in baseball, you know, we're playing every single day. You might get one or two days off a month. So we're playing every day. And if you, if you can't stay on the baseball field and be healthy, then, you know, those people, those teams don't, aren't going to sign you. They're not going to want you on your team because they'd rather have a guy who's an average baseball player and who can be on the field whenever needed than a, you know, a superstar who can't be healthy and be trusted. So take care yeah. of your body. is definitely just as important. Yeah. No, that's uh it's huge, man. It's huge. So yeah, I'm, Get into the last uh, two questions here. Uh, one is, what is your? Well, it might be a double loaded question, so there might be maybe three here. But I would say your craziest your your craziest story you ever had um, throughout your baseball career that most probably don't know, or maybe a couple know. <laughs> craziest story? Yeah, I mean, probably stories I can't really share on here, but. <laughs> So stuff that's a little uh, bit more uh, <laughs> a little uh, rated G here. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for I mean, it was just probably the moment that I'll always remember is when you know you get to debut when you finally make it to the big leagues. I was in AAA. I was in um, Durham, North Carolina, and we just got done with the game <clears throat> and. I was getting on the bus. We're about to head back to the hotel. And one of the, the trainers came sprinting on the bus and he was asking for me. And he said, um, the manager's looking for you. So right then and there, if the manager asks for you, it's either really good news or it's really bad news. (laughs) So of course, you know, I got all nervous and it was a long walk back to his, his office and once I finally got in there, all the coaches were waiting in there for me. And he just said, congratulations, you're going to the big leagues. And, of course, those emotions come through you, um, something you worked for since you were a kid and you dreamed about. And, you know, hugs, tears. And then, you know, that first phone call you make is, you know, I, I called my dad. And it was, I think it was... 11 o'clock at night or whatever they were they go to sleep pretty early and fortunately um they answered when i called and my dad answered and you know i just told my dad um sorry dad but you can't go to work tomorrow and he said why is that he said because you got to come watch your son pitch in the big leagues and you know of course you know he's emotional i'm emotional and um they booked a flight that next morning to meet me in Atlanta. And fortunately I got to, I got to pitch that game. So it usually doesn't work out necessarily that first game to get called up is when you get to play. But 
fortunately for me, um, I did get to play. And I just remember getting to the stadium earlier that day. And of course, you know, you're just, you're nervous. But it's also, you know, it's exciting at the same time. And then I always grew up watching The Rookie, the movie, that Disney movie. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but yeah, yeah. Whenever he's in the bullpen, you know, waiting, and that bullpen phone rings, and he calls your name to start warming up. You know, that's what I can relate that to. And when they told me to start warming up, that's when the butterflies kicked in. And but whenever I got there on the on the mound, it just took me one pitch, and it just kind of felt like a normal game. And obviously, your drone's going, and sure enough, I had a a one, two, three inning, so it was a, a, a good inning for me. And that's just a, a moment I'll always remember for the rest of my life. Wow, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm feeling it right now. I'm just like, <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, just to like you, you and your, you and your element and you, you know, having just, I mean, just uh, that moment to step on field. I mean, it just so much, probably so many things were run through your mind. And, um, yeah. you know, how was that? how was that first time though? Like when, like, did you end up like, was it a good game or did you play pretty good decent or where, what, or did your emotions kind of get ahead of you or did you be able to like to hone into it? Yeah. So for me, it's just, you have to breathe. You have to slow the game down. You have to slow your breathing down because that's really the only thing you can control. Obviously other than putting your pitch where you want to throw it. But as soon as that ball leaves my hand, I can't control whether the hitter, hits a home run or, you know, swings and misses. So you just have to control what you can control and slow the game down. And I, I, yeah, I pitched, I did real good, but unfortunately we lost that game. I pitched the the ninth inning when we were losing. So that was a, a, just a a good game to get my feet wet. Um, Just a game where I can come in and make a a debut. But yeah, yeah, it was still a special moment. That's great, man. That's great. Um, so kind of just uh, closing to the podcast, uh, what's your what's your best advice to the people that want to reach the highest level in baseball or, you know, in any other professional sport? But, you know, I know that you know what it takes because, you know, you've had to have a lot of discipline, uh, you know, keep yourself accountable, keep your body healthy um, and, you know, do the right things and make the you know right moves and decisions on and off the field. But, you know, what's your advice to all those people that are, are listening? Yeah, so, I mean, for every, there's a lot of people that have the same dream and a lot of people that have a lot of skill. And there's some people that are going to have more skills than others. And for me, I would rather play with a teammate who is less skilled and is a better teammate towards other people and they care about because baseball can be a selfish sport. It's all about numbers. It's all about me, me, me. Like, look what I did. But if you can find a teammate who can truly help the team out, a team, a guy that can, you know, help each other out, that's the that's the guy that, you know, I, I strive to be. That's the guy that we always want to play with. Um, so it, skill only takes you so far, especially in the major leagues. Yeah, it takes skill to get you there, but to play 10 years and to be a Hall of Famer, you know, those are the guys that were better people off the field than on the field. And at the same time, like you said, it, it's definitely a grind. You have to do what other people aren't willing to do. 
and it's definitely it takes a lot of sacrifice but being a being a good guy a good guy off the field is probably more important amen to that one amen to that one because it's honestly it's there's there's a lot of it's not just when you're um like you, you never know when when your time is going to be done so it's all about putting as much as you can in the time that you're there right because i mean you don't yep. you don't know so it's like it's just as like knowing of of life of where you could you don't know when the last time you're going to be you know you're you're going to take you don't know when you're going to take your last breath so it's a matter of just putting the most you can into you know the relationships around you um and in the you know your profession and in your passions because it's the thing is is that you know that you can control what you put in in that day you can't control what's going on in the future can't control what the, what's in the past. That's the reason why I'm like, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate. And I always, I, I say this all the time where it's like, be present, you know, be yep. present. Cause the thing is, is like you can control everything in that one day, but you can't control tomorrow, but you can control a day. And so that's the part where it's like you, and that's the biggest thing for all these like guys that are in other professions or sports is just as that, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. But the thing is, is that, you know, also, that, you know, if you surround yourself around good people too, which is a huge thing and you're a good person because I, I, I only like for, you know, I, I always get asked, this is kind of funny. They're like, guys are really like, well, why do you want to, like, why do you want to hang out with this, this, this Facebook guy? Cause you know, I think these, I think all athletes are just, uh, they're all just kind of pompous and they're all just egotistic or whatever. You hear this all the time. I'm like, Hey, you can find anything you want in any, any world. It's not just athletes. Like I'm going to tell you like you go into business and you, you'll start finding a lot of guys that are just like that too. So, I mean, for me, it's just like, I like to be around good quality guys and guys that are just good people off the field that make good decisions for themselves, but they're, they're just good people, you know, and that's, that's a huge thing, man. Cause it's like, it's going to help you even when you're out of the sport and you want to go into a business, you want to start something. I mean, these athletes have so much opportunity to do it <clears throat> that, it's just like, it's just all out there for them to grab. So it's like, people are watching that. It's just like, I look at my buddy, Ike, you know, he, he's now doing a lot of great things after he's played, but it's only because people knew he was like, just a, he's, he's a good down to earth person. And he, you, he, he was able to take that and then go into a, a real estate and do some real estate stuff to where it's helped him a lot. So it's like, these guys don't ever have a problem with, with like the life after their sport. It's like, that's one thing it's like, Hey, okay, I'm concerned. Like I got an injury. I don't know if I'm going to be in it. It's just like, Hey, you know, do everything you control in that day, still try to like stay in the league and still try to do the best you can. But sometimes like, you know, when it comes down to that point of knowing when to walk away is when you have to walk away. And then when they do, they, you know, my biggest thing for, to be able to help a lot of athletes is to be able to, you know, help them be able to, you know, get in the outdoors and, and get involved with stuff to where they can still keep that competitive edge because the thing is, is like your competitive edge will never die off, my friend. I mean, that's one thing about being yeah. any, any, any sport. It's like, you want to be competitive and you might not be able to play baseball. Like after you're done, after like a long career, you know, which I already know, like I, I, I already talking, you already know that you're going to have a much success, you know, a very successful career. You're going to be playing for a while uh, just because you take it seriously and, and uh, in every aspect. So the thing is, is that to be able to go out of that at one, at one point, it's like, you know, I introduced the, the sport of bass fishing to some athletes and they're like, dude, I do this on a professional level. And I warned them before they went bass fishing with me. I was like, okay, I'm going to take you out bass fishing. But the problem is, is that you might want to do this, you know, uh, a lot. So I don't want to distract you yeah. from your own thing. So just a fair warning for you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 
So, um, no, that's cool, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's been great to, to talk with you and I appreciate you taking the time for the Enduro Sport podcast. And, uh, you know, if people don't already follow you, uh, on social media, where can they follow you at? Yeah. So I'm just pretty simple. I'm just on Instagram. So just got an Instagram a few years ago and never really been a social media guy, but especially nowadays, I mean, if you're not on social media, then you're almost missing out, I guess. So finally got Instagram and that's the only one I'm on. And that's just that Perfect. AJ mentor. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate it, brother for coming on and I know, uh, getting your story out there and, uh, get, get shed some light a little bit about, you know, what, what it's like to be, uh, on the professional level in baseball and, you know, talking about your setbacks, your comebacks and, you know, really the, the whole thing with, this podcast is just to correlate things amongst other guys' uh, worlds. I mean, you're it, like you're in baseball, but the other guy over here is a professional bass fisherman, or another guy is you know a professional rugby player, another guy's an NFL yep. player. It's just there's so much correlation between everybody's stories to where that's that's where with with this podcast to be able to bring it together as one to where you're like, wow, okay, this guy he faced the same things as as I did. Yep. It's like weird because we're we're as much as I thought I was different, I'm not much different than this guy, you know, and that's one thing is what's cool about this. And, you know, I, you know, again, I, I thank you for your time, brother. And, um, I'm excited to see you do great things for the next season and, and to be able to cultivate this relationship between the two of us. So. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Let me share. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Anytime, brother. Well, we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Lost Trip Show. If you enjoyed listening, go subscribe to my channel so you can stay updated on our new shows that will drop every week. We look forward to bringing much more successful professionals on the show to get to know their story and bring inspiration and the key tools you can develop for yourself to crush your goals and level up in your lives.